0: Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. What are we talking about today?
1: I thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about Kaggle, the machine learning competition website, and some of the ways that it can surprise you unpleasantly when you are competing in it.
0: All right. You are listening to linear digressions. <laughs> so given that I'm not actually a data science, I have a scientist, I've not actually gone to this website. What is Kaggle?
1: Kaggle is a machine learning competition website so the idea is that at any given time they have a number of competitions that they host and individuals or small teams can go online and you get there's a data set that has all the covariates and the dependent variable for you to build a supervised learning model Um, and you can get that data set and there's sort of a definition of what the problem is that they want to solve here with this data set but it's roughly build the best model that you can with this data uh, predicting, They tell you what to predict and, and maybe what metrics to use as well. And so you put together a model, um, and then there's a submission process whereby once or twice a day you can submit your model. And the place where we're going with this, let me explain a little bit then what happens when you submit your model, because it's going and- to be important for understanding what we're talking about.
0: And one quick question. Um, If I'm a if I'm a data scientist, why would I want to do this? I I assume these are uh, companies that are putting up these competitions, and there's some kind of reward?
1: Oh, right. Yeah. So for a lot of the competitions, if you come in in the top three or the top five or something, you can actually win a substantial amount of money. And even if you don't come in in the top few like that, there's a lot of sort of street cred so to speak uh, that that sometimes people attach to doing well in Kaggle competitions it's, hmm. it's kind of fun because it's this almost like open competitive playground where lots and lots of different people can can go in and sort of see who's the best so if you actually end up doing really well there uh, then that kind of can be validating of uh
0: yeah you get cred and maybe people might companies might come looking for data scientists and notice that you've got cred on this site and try and pick you up sure yeah it almost reminds me of GitHub. I mean, G- GitHub is a, a site for contributing to open source software. There's no, com- uh, there's not a con- competitive aspect of it, but there is that public visibility factor. So even if you're not necessarily getting monetary rewards, there's still some like intrinsic incentive because it's open.
1: Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a chance for you as a as a data scientist or data analyst or machine learning researcher or whatever to kind of show the world uh, your best stuff and you know, that's, that's kind of neat to see a whole bunch of people from all over the world uh, competing with each other and seeing who can build the best models.
0: Okay, so you were saying that there's there's a potential problem.
1: Oh, right. So let me explain the submission and, and scoring process for these models. So let's suppose I'm competing in a Kaggle competition, and usually there's sort of a time bound on the competitions that have... Uh, especially the ones that have money attached. So it might be something like there's three months where the, the competition is open. And so at the end of three months, that window is going to close. And during that three months, I can submit, I think the limit is twice a day, but I could be wrong about this. We'll say it's twice a day. Twice a day I can go online and I can submit my model to uh, sort of the submissions process. And what happens when I do that is there's a, there's some Training data that I was able to download when I entered the competition. That's what I've used to train my model and to do any cross validation that I'm interested in, that sort of thing. Then there's also what's called the public leaderboard uh, validation set or test set, if you like. And so, what this is, is it's a data set that Kaggle has held back and that they keep on their servers. And so, when I submit my model, that model is used to make predictions on that public leaderboard test set and then those submissions depending on how many of those I get right go into a a score that ranks me relative to everyone else who's who's submitted their models and then there's what they call the public leaderboard which is how well everyone's models are doing so at any given point I submit my model and then I can see how good my model is doing compared to everyone else's.
0: Uh, Neat so that's basically a way of saying uh, like let's say that I've, I've got the data set on my machine, and I've built a model to run against it, and I've gotten really, really good at this particular data set, and maybe I've overfit it a little bit. So I'm really good with this data set, but I'm not actually necessarily gonna do as well on a more generalized data set. And so that's the reason that Kaggle holds back some data, so it can test my model when I submit it against a data set that my model hasn't seen before to see if it's uh, generalizable.
1: Well, right. So when I was building my model, if I was cross-validating it properly, then I should have a pretty accurate idea of how well it's going to do on on another data set. But like you said, I can overfit my model a little bit to my training data. And then when I go and submit it and have it um, make predictions on the one of those uh, test sets that Kaggle holds back, then that generalizability comes back into play because obviously this is a data set that I didn't have available to me when I was training. Therefore I, well, hypothetically, I can't overfit to that data, but this is where the trick comes in actually. And and I think that this is pretty, it's pretty fun and, and interesting. Although, like I said, it can be an unpleasant surprise So the last part of this scoring process I, I mean scoring in the sense of scoring how well your model does against all the other ones is that the public leaderboard is just a way for me to sort of benchmark my model against everyone else's it is not actually used to decide who wins the competition
0: oh interesting
1: yeah in fact there's actually a third data set that they call sort of like the private leaderboard data set if you like. And no one has access to that data even indirectly until the competition is over. And that data set is what they actually use to determine who wins the competition.
0: Right, and that makes sense because you're gonna, you're gonna go and train a model on some data set. And then if you wanna actually use that model in production or to predict things or with new data that you've collected in the future, obviously, the model will have never interacted with that future data. So it's not fair to judge a model based on data that it's ever come in contact with.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. But you can imagine how, if you, when you're building the model, let's say, you know, I have this chance to submit my model, see how well it's doing versus everyone else's, and then tweak my submission and submit a new one and then see how it's doing and iterate on this. And so you can imagine that even though I don't have direct access to the public leaderboard data set, I can still end up overfitting to it because I'm making decisions Mm -hmm. about which model I think is like, quote unquote, the best based on how well it does on that data set. And so if I have a model that because of some, you know, sort of local fluctuations, a little bit of noise, a little bit of luck, whatever, Let's say there's 10,000 examples in the in the public leaderboard dataset. Let's say there's a model. I have two models that are fundamentally the same, but one of them happens to get an extra four predictions right that the other one gets wrong. I mean, if I'm really looking closely at those two models, then I might take that as a sign that the one that got the extra four right is the "quote unquote" better model. But there's really no reason that that's actually the case. It's just a. It's just kind of a. a an accident that it happened to get those right, and so if you have enough of those little incidents, they can they, those incidents can start to stack up on top of each other as well. And, and so it might be four events here and three events there and ten events over here, and pretty soon I've convinced myself that I'm getting, you know, maybe a few percentage points better from model, you know, C or D yeah. or E than I was from model A, but now I have a model that is not going to generalize as well to an unknown data set because I picked this model on the basis of the fact that it's fitting some noise.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's really tricky. So how does one, um, how does one avoid doing this, I guess? I mean, obviously you don't want to see yourself in the leaderboard, tweak it, and then, you know, go through that process and overfit to the, um, test data, that doesn't actually do you any favors, even if you see your name rise in the leaderboard before the final judging. So like what kind of methods uh, would one use to avoid overfitting to that that second data set?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So a few things. Number one is that if you're cross-validating properly, doing something like a K-fold cross-validation, that will be fairly robust to overfitting. That'll be more robust to overfitting in general than looking at the performance on any one data set. And so take, take seriously the indications that you're getting from your own internal cross-validation. When I was reading up about experiences that people have had with this problem, some of the people who, who've had this problem say the thing that it teaches them is to just ignore the public leaderboard and only make decisions based on what your own cross-validation is telling you. I don't think that's quite the smartest thing to do because there is more data to be gained in the public leaderboard data set in general. Like it's more information that you have available to you that can tell you how your model is doing. Mm-hmm. But instead of say completely relying on that to help you guide your choices with what model you're going to submit, maybe take some sort of average of your own cross validation uh, metrics and the public leaderboard data set and, and don't take either one of them by itself, but maybe some, some in-between number of the two the other thing that i would point out is that especially at the tip top of these competitions there's a lot of luck that goes into winning honestly um especially some of these very popular competitions the big ones there might be only a, a very small you know you have to go out to the third decimal place to get between first place and second place or oh, first wow. place and tenth place or something wow yeah and so that's the territory where again i think there's sometimes just luck that comes into it and i I wouldn't say that two models that are you have to go out to the third decimal place to see which one is better i wouldn't say that those are significantly different models um and so i don't think i think you should just have a little sense of perspective that uh to a certain extent it's out of your control um you you submit the best model that you can but you have to be skeptical of these very small incremental differences between models. Chances are that, you know, a, again, a third decimal place difference is not actually telling you something about what the better model is. And then the third thing that I would point out is again, talking about these big competitions, it's easy to get caught up in the idea that, oh, I was in 10th place on the public leaderboard, and then they closed the competition and I fell to. 200th place or something like that. This is a fairly Mm, extreme example, but, but that does happen. Like the other thing to keep in mind is that it sounds like that's a huge drop. And I guess if you're looking at the number of places that you drop, that, that is a lot, but because very often with those big competitions, you have lots and lots of people who are all converging on effectively the same model. Um, and so they have lots of models that are all in this really tight pack together that even a very small difference in the absolute performance of your model can be a big drop because there's just, you know, if you go from an AUC of 0. 0.65 to 0. 0.6498, if there are a hundred people who are at 0. 0.6499, then you just drop below all of them. And it looks like, mm. you know, everything has, the, the bottom has fallen out from under you, but it's really just that there were lots and lots of people who were in there together. And so, again, you shouldn't take it too, too personally, I guess. Um, and I think that looking at the number of places that you fall is also probably not the best way to think about the performance of your model um, because that's just as dependent as on the other people who are, you're competing against as it is telling you anything about, about the performance of the model that you built.
0: So Katie, I have to ask, um, have you been bitten by this phenomenon?
1: I have not. And that is not because I am super smart. It is because (laughs) (laughs) I never actually have time to do Kaggle. Um, So it's
0: just that you don't have time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, the way I think about it is I have time for one data science hobby. And as it happens, it is this podcast.
0: Uh, Oh, Hey, I'm, I'm flattered and honored. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, well, I mean, the pleasure is all mine. But, yeah, no, what really ends up happening is any time that I would spend on Kaggle, I end up just reading papers for this and yeah, editing wave files and, and all this other stuff, which I'm delighted to do. But, um, yeah, this has protected me from the disappointment of... That is um, interesting. <laughs> yes, of of Kaggle competitions.
0: You know, I, I have a similar uh, story. It's not with data science, but... There are so many um, interesting, fun coding challenges, algorithmic problems. As a front-end web developer, there's a lot of front-end web developer stuff as well. Um, And like, I don't know, if I had more time, I think I would really enjoy doing some of these riddles. I think I would learn a lot from doing them and uh, gain a lot of experience with problems that I probably wouldn't otherwise try to solve. Um, But yeah, I mean, same thing here. I just don't have enough time. So. Um, it seems to me like these websites are great if you dedicate a lot of time to them or if you have a decent amount of time, even if you're uh, beginning. Because although you may not end up winning a lot of competitions, it does get you experience with a lot of these real-world problems that, are, that actually people are trying to solve and that um, have utility when they are solved.
1: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. It's a great way to get started as a data scientist. It's also a place where you learn a lot about different modeling types. Um, so in general, I, I think Kaggle is really great. I think one thing to keep in mind is that the idea that you're starting from a fairly tidy data set with a well-defined problem, uh, that's very often not the world that we live in as data scientists. A lot of the struggle that we have is figuring out what problem it is we're trying to solve and like where we're going to get the data. Uh, so the point at which you have a table and and a well-defined problem like you know the the problem is almost all the way solved at that point but i think it is really useful to see i think the competitive aspect especially you know really brings out the best in people sometimes uh people get really really into it and they think really hard about the problems and um and sort of that competitive atmosphere uh everyone gets really pushed by one another, and uh, yeah, there's some really, there's just some really great uh, learning that you can do when you're competing on there, and it's super fun too.
0: Linear digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear digressions, go to lineardigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at linear and katie at linear in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.